You are now listening to For All Nerds Show, a podcast about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color. For All Nerds is hosted by DJ Ben Amin and Tatiana Keene-Jones. Our show is edited and produced by Brother Chris. For All Nerds Show is a member of the Loudspeakers Network, where we always say rest in peace to our founder, Combat Jack. For All Nerds Show is powered by our listeners. Everything we do from our podcasts, live events, our website are all independently funded. Please continue to support us through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash for all nerds. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Welcome to another episode of For All Nerds Show. This is your host for the week, Tatiana King-Jones, a.k.a. Beretta Scott King, Lambo Calrissian, Flex Luthor, Victoria's Secret Wars, and Rita Aurora Chimaru. And I'm here leading the spaceship this week. DJ Ben Amin is out on an away mission, but that's all right because we have a special co-host here. Oh, special. Hey, y'all. It's Jay from Tea with Queen and Jay podcast. Should I do my AKAs? Is it time? It's time. Oh, snap. AKA Janicia. That's my government. AKA Not a Lady. AKA Womanist Race Nerd. AKA Storm Every Damn Day. AKA <laughs> Zamundan Minister of Defense. AKA Storm Baku. AKA <laughs> The Cop Killer in See You Yesterday's Unedited Extended Cut. What? My name is Janicia. What's up? <laughs> Okay, <laughs> with the fire. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, I did a little remix of the intro, but yes, this is for all no- nerds show where we talk about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color. And as I said, I am your host. Um, this week is popping as usual. Mm-hmm. It's popping outside in, in New York for sure. Um, it's a little bit too much going on. People's getting arrested left and right. Our our lights are going down. We had lots of we had a blackout. We did have a blackout. That was know. awkward. Were you in the city? I wasn't in the middle of it. I was in Brooklyn, but I had to go back uptown and uh, I had to like take the train halfway and then somebody picked me up. It was a whole thing. So I, I, I don't see I don't I can't deal with this. Yeah, it was I, a lot. And people are telling me I'm wearing a little tinfoil hat, but I'm telling you, <laughs> this is a test because this whole this weekend last week we had issues with generally all social media going down mm-hmm. um you know you get you get stuff about now certain power grids are going down randomly mm-hmm. when when you know connet connet is our is our power people here they were like oh yeah some some wire had some damage and that you know a wire that huh? right that that a knocked single, out everything and i'm wire. like well what about all the backup systems you have uh-huh. they was like oh well every backup system failed i'm like really so what did you what would you say as a tech person right? somebody's lying well that's, definitely that's lying. what i would say but somebody's what should lying. what should we as everyday people be doing in order to prep for this uh what whatever whatever the whatever fuck is about to happen about to happen. i'm i i i and again, I, I'm telling you this not as a conspiracy theorist, not as a tinfoil hat. Well, wearer. white supremacy is not a conspiracy. Oh, so it's well, a shit. real thing. Well, oh, shit. Oh, we're oh, just hi, starting hi guys. here. We're starting <laughs> here. Okay. Oh, hey y'all. Um, I just, I just think it's important that everyone um, understand what it means to be uh, have uh, disaster preparedness. Okay. Um, just in general, yeah. like regardless of where you live in the world, mm-hmm. like that's just something you should be aware of. Like understanding, knowing your exits, your entrances. And when I say exits and entrances, I just mean, you know, where do you go when you're out the house? Where would your right. family meet up? Like, do you guys have a way to contact each other? Like say all the cell phones go out. How do you guys get in touch? Do you mm-hmm. know where to meet up and, and indicate that you're safe so and also could you could you survive a couple of days without any electricity right. and things like that so um th- there's plenty of resources out there but all i all i want to suggest to people is one somebody's lying and two mm-hmm. read up and be prepared disaster preparedness be prepared be prepared right. um we were prepared this week uh, we actually went to a few cons this week so mm-hmm. shout out to Portia avi who went to con of thrones in nashville nice she covered for castle black so we talked so they did all things game of thrones um i know jamie lannister was up in there a few other people oh, wow. was up in there braun i believe was up in there um we're gonna have some pictures coming out for that on forallnerds.com and here in uh well in dc there was blur con but also here 
in New York, there was Blurred City Con. Yep, in Brooklyn at St. Francis College. In Brooklyn, shouts out to the Blur City Con leadership there. Um, if you listened to our show last week, you heard from... Um, and I, oh my God! I have is to, it Clarissa Clay? Clarissa Clay is that her last name? I yes. Okay, it's correct. Thank you, because mm-hmm. she made the joke about Cassius Clay. That's how people remember uh, her name. Okay, cool. But yes, Clarissa was on our show last week. gave us a, a great overview of the convention, and like I said, we mm-hmm. went to it this weekend. Janicia was there as well. Nope. Did you have a? Did you do? I a did. Panel, I did a right? panel on um, indie comic creators and right. illustrators, and it was really cool. I'm a, pa- a panel nerd, so I like go to a con and just be in panels the whole yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. time. But it was was really cool um, because we had Keith Williams on this panel like a legendary mm-hmm. uh, penciler and artist yes. and what I didn't notice when I go to a lot of these cons it's rare that I see a variety of like different generations of people on the same panel different levels of skill Facts. on the same panel Facts. and so it was dope to kind of see like an OG like him talking with people who were like at different stages in their career at different stages in the industry and like working on indie comics and shit like that so I kind of I want to make it a point for myself to when we think about like diversity in panels and comics or, or what, wherever we're thinking about diversity wherever we have opportunities to make decisions just make sure that we're thinking about like intergenerational shit and so make sure that we're not being ages and kind of it's fine because we know the legends will have like their own spotlight or their own panel or whatever at a lot of these things but then we miss out on some of those conversations like the dialogue between people who are working within different time frames you know who have different experience so that was really dope um, to do that and then also Blurred City Con is a black woman run con and and she does and as she said on our show she does everything right we want we want to have cons that center people of color or whatever our interests are, whatever right. those things are. Large cons are fucking dope, but like there's a con going on somewhere in the country every fucking weekend. You know what I'm saying? So find your local con, support your local con, donate, give these people money ahead of time, support their Kickstarters and shit like that so that we can make sure that um, knowledge and resources are not being limited to just this one group of people or just this one thing because there were a lot of resources poured into that con that we're not going to mention but like those resources could have gone elsewhere there there are people doing things for their community there are free cons that happen across the country so let's just make sure make sure you are supporting your local con big facts and speaking of supporting Janicia was there to support me I also was on a panel with the great Corvita Raven Uh, she is also another um, well known black tech expert Mm -hmm. in this space Um, we were in the panel um, black to the future basically about African Americans and technology and we had a really dope dope. conversation Mm -hmm. just you know not just like tech in general but like how do we get into the space and the question that was broached was how do you reclaim the space but what we went through it was like well how do we create a space in right. the first place because, you know, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily have that. So, um, again, thank you very much to um, Cyril. Thank you very much to Clarissa. Thank you very much to the Blur Girl and, and Chuck mm-hmm. and Janicia mm-hmm. and George Carmona yep. and then Ben Amin. Sawyer. Regine uh, Sawyer. Uh, Harris. Like, everybody who was there. Yep. Th- thank you very much to Chico Leo. If you guys were there on Saturday, Chico Leo made a rare appearance. Hey. And, um, you know, everyone had a blast. And it was an amazing Really, is an amazing time to visit the convention in a great mm-hmm. place, as Janicia mentioned, to not just support, right. but you know, you can also give you a dollar to where mm-hmm. you can get more creativity. Yeah. You know, you can buy comic books made by people of color, black people, black women, all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, and the smaller cons, it's really, especially if you're a yeah. panel head, whatever your shit is, smaller cons are a great opportunity to have an actual conversation with somebody because yes. the larger cons are fantastic and they have a lot of um, shit that the smaller ones don't have. But really, being able to like talk to an really being able to talk to an indie artist, really being able to ask your fucking question at a panel. You know what I'm saying? Right. Sometimes you'll go to a panel, you'll hear all this interesting shit, but like time is wrapped up, it's too many people, you can't get your question in. So like invest in smaller cons. That's my thing. This is the thing, man. This is the thing, yo. Um and then finally today, um big news, the Emmy nominations went out. Um everyone the the biggest thing I've actually seen today was people were like, yo, Beyonce is going for the EGOT. Oh, okay. Because, right, because she got Emmy nominations for um, Homecoming mm-hmm. um, for, for a variety of of categories, like costume, direction, nice. writing, things like that. And then 
like I mentioned, there's a lot of, and I'm actually pulling up the list now, but there were a lot of nominations. And I'm actually proud this year because they, to me, they, they nominated way more people of color and mm-hmm. not just people of color, but people in the queer community that they've never paid mm-hmm. attention to before. So okay. at least now they're finally starting to shine a spotlight. But for example, like in drama series, we have like Game of Thrones, Killing Eve, Ozark, Pose. Huge poses up there. I love pose. Pose got me crying like every Mm -hmm. week. Um, This is us, which is kind of a mainstay. It's always there. Um, In limited series, you know, you see things like Chernobyl. Um, Lead actor in a drama series. I thought this was very interesting because they named Jason Bateman from Ozark, but also Sterling K. Brown from This Is Mm. Us, Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones, Bob Erdenkirk, Erdenkirk from Better Call Saul, Billy Porter from Pose. Hey, Billy. Pray tell. Okay. Love it. Um, and then, like I said, um, just really just down the line, I just felt like it was a lot more colorful. Okay, than usual. Than usual. That's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So kudos to everybody who um, got nominated today. Shout out to Strong Black Lead. I know like um, their their project that they did where it was like a great day for, for black actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I apologize I'm saying the whole title mm-hmm. wrong, but that project got nominated as well. Really? Ava's project... Got uh, for the Exonerated Five mm-hmm. got nominated sixteen times. Amazing, sixteen nominations. So that's huge. So again, make sure you guys are peeping these projects. If you haven't watched any of these, do your due diligence and mm-hmm. do it now. Yeah, and just like as as um the resident like revolutionary visitor yes. to this podcast, I think it's important that we are supporting like independent shit. And a lot of us feel like, well, why do we need their Emmys and shit like that or whatever? But like. We're here doing the work. Thank you know you. what I'm saying? If you're going to have a fucking award show, give us our fucking shit. You know what I'm saying? That right. doesn't mean that we shouldn't be out here doing our own shit and creating our own things. But if there will be award shows, give us our fucking awards. Give us our things. Please. We did the work. Give us our credit so we can add that shit to our IMDBs and, and whatnot so we can up our rates. Okay? All that shit matters. All that shit. So, yeah, congratulations to everybody. That being said, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have... A nice, 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 very nice interview for you. Stay tuned. What's up, y'all? This is your boy, DJ Ben Amin, and thank you for listening to the For All Nerd Show. As always, please make sure you go out, subscribe to us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on any platform where you hear all of the great podcasts. Hit that subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment, all that good stuff, and thank you, as always, for your support. And welcome back for All Nerds fam. This is your host, Tatiana King-Jones. And as usual, we bring you the best in geek and pop culture for the perspective of people of color. Today, as you know, we always want to come to you with the truth. And of course, we're doing it again. This time, we are welcoming Lee Shorten, who is a writer, director, actor. And you may know him from a little show called The Man in the High Castle. You may know him as Sergeant Yoshida, amongst many, many, many other projects that he's involved in. So without further ado, let's welcome Lee Shorten. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. We definitely appreciate you. I know you're hailing all the way from up in Canada land. Yeah, yeah. The great north or whatever they call it. What <laughs> <laughs> they call it? I, I don't know. I actually don't know what the nickname is for Canada at this point, but... Better? Better? No, <laughs> better. Oh, damn, damn. Better than where we are right now. Um, but, but, you know, again, thank you so much for talking with us. I, you know, we know we connected online and, you know, we've been following you for a while, really into your projects and what you're trying to do in this space when it comes to film and TV. And, you know, on our show, we speak a lot about the unconventional ways people get into the industry. Um, like our own host, DJ Ben, I mean, like he's one of those people who, you know, may not have had that background, but you know, all of a sudden got connected with the right people. And now he's a writer. He's part of the Writers Guild and he's writing for different shows in Hollywood. So, yeah. So you are also in that category because you were a whole lawyer before you became an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Please please don't hold that against me. No, no. I'm I'm still. Listen, I have lawyers all in my family, so I completely understand the move. But (laughs) I, I I have to ask, like, for why? Like, what made you say, you know what? I'm done with lawyering. I'm going to be an actor. 
Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's really not that exciting of a story, but, um, you know, you finish high school and, uh, you don't really know what you're doing with your life. I mean, yeah. do I still know what I'm doing with my life? I don't really know, but I pretend better, maybe. Um, <laughs> and everyone's, everyone's like, you have to do law or medicine. And, um, I thought that law would be easier to coast through because medicine, really? Yeah, I don't know why. Well, <laughs> law why would be easy to coast. Okay. Well, you don't have to cut anybody open as well, a lawyer, so I get you know, I guess I get that's that. That's true. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess, I don't know. It was, like I said, what do I know? I'm, I'm an idiot. Uh, so, I, so, I went, so I went to law school, and honestly, I hated it the whole time. Um, and uh, I did film studies for my undergrad, so. Right. Um, I really liked that. And I'd always really liked like film and TV. I was, I was that nerdy kid in high school who, you know, was always at the movies and always trying to talk to people at movies. Have you seen this movie? And my friends are like, whatever. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so after practicing law for a while, because I finished school and I was just super unhappy. And then I was like, well, what can I do with my life? And I just remembered how much I liked studying film and, and film. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, I should just try this, I guess. So. It's like, are you still sure, sir? Because you're, you're you're deep in it now. Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> yes. It's it's just you know, as as you know, it's a it's a weird and tough industry. Right. So some days you're like, do I have? Can I hold on? until something happens but mm-hmm. uh but yes I, I love it too much i love it too much mm-hmm. understood it's so cool that you transitioned from being a lawyer into like this whole new career and i think as like adults we know that that shit is possible and people transition careers yeah. every day but my nephew is 17 he wants to be an actor he's still he's getting going into his senior year of high school and he feels like he needs to move to New York right now and everything has to happen right now and there's a lot of competition. Um, do you ever feel as somebody who came into the industry, um, you know, in a different way, in a different way and yeah. later in life, do you ever feel like you're behind, quote unquote, behind whatever that means, other actors? I mean, yeah, sometimes, right? Because mm. I think like, like, let's say when I started and I was 29. So when I walk in a room at 29, the, the other six people, you know, or however many people there, um, they've probably got 10 years experience on me and like a resume that's like three times as long. Mm-hmm. So in some ways I definitely fell behind and it's definitely, I don't have your experience and I don't have the trust that's been built up by years of these casting people seeing me and, and, and a resume. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but on the flip side, I, I think, um, when, when you come into it later, you have a very different perspective and very different life experience. Mm. So, you, you know, when, uh, theoretically, when you're acting, it's all about trying to trying to bring life to a character who isn't you. Mm-hmm. So I often think having grown up outside the business, uh, in some ways, it, it gives you a better in to certain types of characters. Mm-hmm. You know, because you took that jump leap and, and, and also you were given literally two very how do I put this um, straightforward choices um, they were like law <laughs> law or doctor you have no other choice so I mean you you decided amongst yourself you like you know what I have to do what I love was there did you have some apprehension there or even fear were you just like fearless I'm just gonna do this um you know it's it's kind of a weird thing because on one hand people are like oh it's like yeah it's like crazy that you just move countries and quit your job and everything. But I always think it's kind of the opposite, right? Because mm. th- what's the worst thing that could happen? I try this for a few years. I'm horrible at it. And then I go home and become a lawyer again. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> not, uh, you know, I, I have a lot more respect in some ways for the people who are like at 17 pursue their dreams mm-hmm. because their, you know, backup if it doesn't fail is like, I, I don't know what that is. Um, right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And sure, I wouldn't have a soul anymore if I went back and became a lawyer, but <laughs> I, I'd be able to pay rent. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, it seems like like what you're saying is, is oh, it's kind of in a funny way, but it's like you're not going to die by trying, potentially. Right. Like, you know, you'll, you'll never know unless you try. Um, right, 100%. Yeah, and it seems like it seems like you're you're cool with that mantra. I mean, because a lot of people let fear stop them from going forward. So, like, how do you, what do you do to kind of get around that hurdle? Ah, uh, man, I, I don't know. <laughs> 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 I, I think you just, 
you know, it, the industry is so just filled with like rejection and everyone, I guess, has their own way of coping with it. Right. And, and I think it's that combination of you start to distance yourself from the possibility of success. Like you get a role and you're like, well, and it doesn't, you still go in and you give it 110% because right. you don't know. Right. But a part of you is like, ah, they're definitely going to go wide on this or mm. they're definitely going to want a name on this. Or, so you start to find ways to kind of justify why you're never going to get that, mm. which I think allows you to protect yourself a little bit. Um, but then the flip side is you still have to have like a crazy ego that's like, you should give me this job. And I'm going to walk in that room and I'm going to show you why you should give me this job. And and you, so you have to have this weird balance of being super, super confident and then also super vulnerable. And it's, oh, it's wow. something I think we all wrestle with our whole career. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and that's actually good for our listeners to know, because a lot of people feel like when you reach a certain point that you pretty much know everything and and everything's coming easy. Right. You've Mm -hmm. arrived. But what you're saying is it's kind of a learning experience and you're still going like even through all the accolades and and experiences you have is still a process. Well, yeah, I mean, I think so. uh, A big part of our job as actors, obviously, is to 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 bring truth to a story and a role and no matter how good you are or how close you are to this character, you still aren't that character. There's still some distance between you and this character, you know, and say for a high castle, you know, I didn't live in the sixties and it's an alternate reality mm-hmm. and all these other things. So no, I, I always feel a great sense of responsibility to, to do justice to this story and this character, but because I'm not that I can never, I can never be sure I've done that and I can never master that and I can never do a hundred percent justice. So that I think that's how I approach it. Mm, mm, mm. Give yourself room to kind of grow there. All the time. And, uh, and you have to, I think you have to be a bit like terrified that you're not going to do a good job because otherwise you become lazy and complacent, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. I see you. I hear you. Um, you know, that that leads me to just understanding because not only, um, you know, do you have a very unique way that you came into the industry, you've also had a unique way of the way you've grown up. So you've you've grown up in Australia and you had uh, two white adoptee parents, adoptive parents. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and you are not a white man for anyone you are who not doesn't a white know. Man. I don't know if we <laughs> opened with, with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so and that's and that's cool but you know I'm very curious like how did that experience how has that shaped you as a person I mean it, obviously it it feeds into how you are as a writer how you approach life as an actor and even as a director so I'm just curious if you could just share some of that of your experience with us you guys ask really good questions so uh, oh. thank you <laughs> thank, thank you, you. <laughs> uh, I mean this is a long ass conversation too but it was, uh, I think the weird thing about being adopted and, and, you know, where I grew up, not just with white parents, but in a very like white small town mm-hmm. where, you know, like I, I didn't really see other Asian people and I didn't really know a lot of other Asian people. And if I did, they were probably adopted too. So they weren't really Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my parents are pretty conservative too. Uh, so there was that. But wow. Uh, it's 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 this weird thing where I always kind of feel like a like a bit of an outsider because the world sees you as Asian when they look at you, but then because I didn't really grow up with that culture, n- not even as you know a, a second or third gen immigrant, I'm mm-hmm. totally divorced from it. I'm not really Asian, so I'll never be. I'll, <laughs> And it becomes abundantly apparent when I hang out with other Asians, so many nuances that I miss. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'll never be, I'll never be anything. I'll, I'll never be Asian and I'll never be Australian and I'll never be, I'll, I'll just never be anything. So I, I guess that informs my work a little bit mm-hmm. somehow. Do you, do you find, um, cause when you say like, you'll never be all those things, have you found comfort like in your identity Anywhere, is there any space or any group of people or any pocket of community where you feel like, oh, this is like my niche, this is where I belong? Because I, I know of some other adoptees, some Latinx adoptees whose parents are white and they have kind of 
created their own sense and sort of community through their artwork and different things like that. So I just wonder um, if there are ways that you have found to build that type of connection for yourself. I think, um, I know a lot of adopt. Well, I mean, I did growing up a little bit, but mm-hmm. now that I'm older, not, not so much. I, I, I think I tend to, and especially having moved a lot and moved countries and, and also being an actor, you know, you, you go, you bomb into a lot of projects and then you work on a little bit and then you kind of peace out. Uh, I think it's really, you become good at just finding where you are similar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my white friends back home, we really bond over, you know, talking about the good old days and, <laughs> and mm-hmm. some kind of film and TV. And then you know, a lot of my friends here are Asian actors. So we really bond over, you know, the film and TV biz. And then, so, yeah, I, I don't think I really have, for better or for worse, just one community that right. really, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that that community of um, like Asian film and TV actors that you talk about, like that's a thing. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that it's really cool as people that we find these different ways to connect ourselves to other people. You know what I mean? Like that's something that I've, I'm not connected to that. I wouldn't know anything about that. But that's right. something that's like uniquely yours. And I think that that's really dope. Oh, thanks. I mean, yeah, hopefully that's how we all increasingly become. Right. I guess building the bridges, right? Yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, even in like the shorts that you've done, like you, and as far as I I can tell, and and correct me if I'm wrong, like all your shorts star Asian actors. Um, And, you know, in those projects that you're doing, like, to your point, like, you know, you don't feel like you necessarily fit in in either space, but do you feel like you have to be the example to within this industry anyway for your culture or is it just like you're this is how you're just expressing your your how you navigate through the world man good questions (laughs) damn Um, (laughs) this is award-winning sir (laughs) but take your time take your time take your time i know i know i answer a lot but 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 let's, let's let's start there like you know with with your projects you know again you you've centered asian actors you know and and obviously that that's on purpose but you know is is that just something you are doing maybe towards Janice's point of kind of building this community or are you just kind of expressing yourself or did we just make that shit up just now and put all these words in your mouth right like <laughs> which is fine <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or is it just, or you're just like I just chose those people like cause... man I'm just trying right. to work all right. right or and and that's the other thing like sometimes some creators are just like well i just chose those people right. that's who i wanted mm-hmm. so you know no, I, I, I mean I, I definitely you know we, we talk a lot about the burden of representation right and, um you know and and i like for whatever reason I, I i'm burdened by a lot of guilt in my life and so I, everything i kind of approach is with a sense of like responsibility um so i i feel like if i'm gonna tell stories i have a responsibility to lift up some other voices and you know in some ways you could say well i'm also self-serving and then i'm I'm lifting up voices that look like me in a sense you know i Mm. i I do cast a lot of asian actors but again we're in this weird place in the industry and and not necessarily weird it's a good place um sorry i say weird but i don't mean it in a negative way Mm -hmm. um you know like how australians sometimes use the c-bomb as a positive it's a bit like that mm-hmm. um, <laughs> i'm a black like, woman i like that word but <laughs> i should know if i could just drop that in the middle of this uh, interview but Dang. uh so, so there's also like this question of authenticity so who should be telling these stories so i feel like i, I have a responsibility to lift up minorities and and traditionally marginalized voices but probably the best way i, I can do that if i'm going to write and direct is to tell Asian stories because I, I should probably let someone else tell an LGBTQ story and I should probably let someone else tell a Middle Eastern story. And, you know, if I was ever in the position where, you know, I was like Brad Pitt or, or somewhere where I had a production company, then I, I would love to do what Brad Pitt does and use his producing power mm-hmm. to empower other writer directors. But right right now as a writer director, I think it's, it's best if I focus my efforts in this way. Right. You said something really interesting, and I think it's something that a lot of POC creators um, deal with or or anyone who has been able to have been allowed access, whether it be like through their voice or, or finances or whatever, whatever means you mentioned feeling a sense of guilt. 
Um, yeah. And like what for for you, because I think it's something that a lot of us struggle with for you. What does that guilt like represent? Like, where do you think it comes from and what are you feeling guilty about, bro? <laughs> and the bro at the end. You okay, bro? <laughs> uh, you know, I, what do I feel guilty about? A lot of things, I think. But, you know, again, we, uh, I, I think that's something about like our one responsibility as humans is to leave the world a better place than when we entered it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that whole, you know, parable about planting the trees it's like we don't have to benefit the trees yeah i'm not but my kids are so sometimes i think that uh, if you look at like just purely this capitalist economic return of investment i think i probably had the potential to do more good when i was a lawyer mm-hmm. so sometimes i feel guilty that i i walked away from that to pursue something like a career in the arts right. for selfish reasons so so maybe that's a big part of it right and and it's so funny that you say that because i think that a lot of um people of color in particular depending on like your socioeconomic background and shit like that feel like our lives are supposed to be dedicated to like making shit okay for everybody <laughs> right and like we're not allowed <laughs> to do that through art we're not allowed like we have to like fix this broken system and shit and so we end up feeling guilt for expressing ourselves but i do i feel like and and i get the impression that you probably feel like this too because i like putting words in your mouth but i feel like <laughs> through our like creative work like we're doing that shit you know what i'm saying we're open be opening people's eyes to shit we're making things better so um stop feeling guilty man all right uh, <laughs> i mean I, I hope so that's what i tell myself too right 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 like, right, right. Uh, and art historically someone said i was at a thing last night and someone said whenever you whenever you put something whenever you make art it does one of two things either it upholds the status quo mm-hmm. or it questions the status quo mm-hmm. and there's no in between it does one of the two things and that kind of spoke to me and i thought well then I, I, if i can continue to make art that questions the status quo then maybe i'm fulfilling that responsibility yes i like it Sorry, this has been a really heavy talk. I Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I didn't mean no, it's, it. It's, it's just good. interesting. Feel, uh, we, go through, hopefully, we, yeah. we go through waves because we want people to know who you are. Yeah, like, it's going to get totally ridiculous yeah, in like it'll, it'll a few minutes. Yeah, it'll get ridiculous soon. But just, you know, don't, I don't mind heavy. I, I just feel bad for your listeners. If you're like, I just wanted to hear it. <laughs> trust say me. Australian slang or something. <laughs> trust me. We're going to get there. But also trust me that they like this too because Can, that's why people enjoy Foral Nerds because we come with the real likes. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know, yes, sometimes it's heavy stuff, but sometimes it's really funny, weird stuff. And I mean, I don't know how funny this is to you, but you know, what's the trick to you nailing your American accent that you use in your rules? Yes. <laughs> how, how do you do, do that? that? Uh, uh, <laughs> practice, practice, a just, lot of practice. Do you just like listen in on conversations? Do you like stand in a Starbucks and like just listen like online? Like, what do you, how do you master it? Um, so when I moved here, I, and, and even my Australian accent now is pretty diluted, but it was really thick. And, you know, people just said, well, you're never going to work you, as an actor. You, you're just never going to work. Wow. That's um, harsh. Well, harsh, but true. And and look, uh, accents are great. And I love accents. And I think that I, I genuinely think they're beautiful. And, and when they serve the story, I think more power to it and that's how i kind of approach fighting an accent when, when a director or a production wants me to do an, you know some kind of asian accent it's mm-hmm. like you know does this serve the story or is this just for laughs is it the butt of the joke and mm-hmm. right a lot of the times it serves the stories and accents shouldn't be this thing because you know first gen people have accents and mm-hmm. it just means they speak two languages so shut the fuck up mm-hmm. like um yes but, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um but, but at the same time, I get it too, because if, if you want to play, if before you start out, you're going to be cop number one or waitress number one or bartender number one, their job is just to get the fuck out of the way of the story so the story can progress. And if the random waiter has an Australian accent, he's this Asian dude, then the audience starts to be like, what's that guy's deal? And right. that's detracting mm-hmm. from the story because it's not about Asian Australian waiter number one. So now I'm actually undermining the story with my presence. So... You know what? It's not a clear cut thing. So I feel mm-hmm. that. So I, I committed to just, I took a couple of lessons from like a dialect coach and mm-hmm. 
he basically outlined the kind of rules mm-hmm. and then I just committed to trying to do my best Australian ac- uh, American accent every mm-hmm. day and it was it was the worst <laughs> well <laughs> but by doing it all the time it, it just got yeah better. what would you can you divulge like one of those rules of like an American accent because the only Australian thing I know how to say which is not good is Foster's Australian <laughs> for beer <laughs> Foster's that's, that's all that's I got best, sorry I, my, my apologies I'm sorry okay. I already have okay. to code switch I'm from the Bronx I have a thick accent I did my best <laughs> so what are the rules what are the rules to nailing an American accent well uh, you know obviously we don't say our ass. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's straight up one. And we don't you know, say again, ours in the I'm, Bronx either. But anyway, right. go ahead. we put in ours in New York accent. That's true in some of that. That's true. That's true. They want that Midwest. Kind of of course. Thing. Right. Um, yes. Corn fed, right? Corn yeah. fed American. Gotcha. <laughs> and then just a lot of the vowel sounds are different and. Um, it's more back in your mouth. Mm-hmm. I was mouth. told by Apple Care. Yes, I got it. <laughs> I get it. Right. I got oh you. God. I got you. Okay. You know. You know, Lee. You so. said. You said something that that put me. You know, made me cringe a little bit. You have mentioned that. You know, you may be asked to do an quote unquote Asian accent. What exactly is that? Um, because, you know, that that bothers me, obviously, and I can imagine if that may or may not bother you, but I'm just curious is when they ask you to do that, do you immediately go, fuck no, and walk away? <laughs> or do you go, Foster's, this is Australian. <laughs> <Korea."> right. <laughs> like, like, what? How do you, well, what, how do you do that? Like, yes. Yeah, so again, that? it's, it's, I, I always think everything's case by case basis. So right. if I, if I'm playing, a first gen immigrant, then he, he totally should have an accent. I mean, okay. it would be weird if he didn't. Right. But if you're like, you know, hey, I'm playing just random Asian American dude who's theoretically, he has no backstory, he's just here, and you want him to do an accent, and I'm gonna be like, why? Right. Mm-hmm. Why does he need an accent? And then hopefully either they're like you know what he doesn't what are we doing what are we doing or you have a nice chat about the story reasons about why an accent might be appropriate Mm -hmm. because then maybe it is like well you know actually we kind of want to highlight um we we hadn't really thought about this character as an immigrant but now that you're here and we see what you're doing and we see that, that that might be an interesting direction to take it and it won't be played for laughs it'll be played as like a serious real thing and so, so it just depends case by case. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I mean, let's be real. A lot of the time, there's not a good story reason a- mm. at all. It's, yeah. you know, and it is terrible. <laughs> and you're just like, okay. Um, but I, I had a I had a friend who, um, she's Afro-Canadian, and she was kind of going through the same thing, but they're like, can you just make that character more urban? Uh-oh. Mm. Code word. We know what that means. Mm-hmm. Right? Right? <laughs> so... I've kind of sometimes, and obviously it's very like confrontational when you do it, but yeah. sometimes when they want the accent, you just be like, oh, can you show me what you mean? <laughs> ah, that's so <laughs> smart. That's good. That's good. That's so and smart. I, then, yeah. What are they going to do? And then if they feel embarrassed about it, then it's like they must know that it's not right. Right, right. I think that, you know and, what I mean? yeah, that and you saying like simply why, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think sometimes as people of color, like working in white supremacist systems, sometimes we feel so resistant to like question things. Yeah. Even though we know they're not right, it's like, oh, if I question it, am I going to be labeled and stuff like that? So I think even you saying like asking, okay, why is this important right. to the story kind of thing is pretty cool. Right. Or even be like the other question that comes is like, am I going to be fired because I asked the question? Right. Oh yeah, which is a big one too, right? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be blacklisted from this room? Like, and, and you worry about these things. And again, this exactly this like I will never fucking do it. I don't mm-hmm. care if I get blacklisted. Fuck you, I'm out. Right. And respect, respect to them. But then there's other actors who are like, I just got to get paid, man. I will do anything you want. Mm-hmm. You want me to? You want me to do small dick jokes in the thickest Asian accent? I just got to get paid mm-hmm. because if I don't take this role, someone else is anyway. So fuck it. So uh, to be honest, I don't really judge anyone because I, I don't get everyone's financial situation or their background. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope we get to the place where this isn't even an issue, but. 
you know? Yeah. yeah. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks for all of us. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Right, right. No, that's, and that's all right. You know, it, as you say, everyone has to kind of go down their own path, their own different way. But mm-hmm. I like that you're providing people that, you know, it is okay to speak up. Right. I think so. Yeah. Because, you know, like in some ways too, and it's again, it's easy to say this, but it's like if if some production is going to pressure you to do an accent for no reason and they blacklist you because you say no, do you really want to work with those people anyway? Right. That part. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Take us to church, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I also understand that's really hard because. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of power in this town. Mm hmm. So you've, as I mentioned at the top, you, you're a writer, you're a director, you're an actor, obviously. I mean, you've you've gone into many different directions within the industry. And because you've been able to kind of stretch yourself in that way creatively, I would imagine that you have a lot of experience in, in when it comes to being a budding creative. Like, what kind of advice would you give people who want to go in that same direction and say they don't have any background or any experience? Uh in, in either, like, in any of those fields? Yeah, or? yeah, in any of those fields within TV film. Uh, the best, the best uh, thing about film and TV, I think, is it's so accessible, right? Like, right. if I want to be a lawyer or or a doctor, I can't just be like, "Hey, can I just come and watch a surgery?" Is that, is that <laughs> cool? <laughs> but <laughs> but you can turn on Netflix. And you can watch a show and then you can just think to yourself, what is it about the show that I like? How come they frame that frame that way? Why is the color that way? Mm-hmm. And, and you can almost, and, and even if you don't have the technical vocabulary or you don't really understand, if you just start critically consuming all your content, you'll develop, you just develop like a foundation that then you can go and you know, through the internet, through, cause there's mm-hmm. so many good videos and, and even just essays. And I gotta say the writer community on Twitter is amazing. Those, those yeah, yeah. people give out free shit advice, like free good advice, sorry, mm-hmm. all the time. It's, it's amazing. So then you can, once you've kind of honed a bit of your instincts, then you can go and check that technically with, with kind of everything out there. So. All right. I like that. That's interesting. So you're basically telling people you need to go do your research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the free research well, is there. Yeah. But the research is fun because you, you're going to watch, you're going to watch True Detective or you're going to watch, you know, Euphoria or anything anyway. So why don't you just, instead of like leaning back in your couch, watch it, you lean forward in your couch, watch it and, mm. and just think about what's landing, what isn't landing, why you think it is or isn't landing, why you think they did things and, and, and you just educate yourself just doing what you would regularly do. Very, very good and interesting. You're, you're providing a lot of gems, by the way. Mm-hmm. I just hope you know you're oh, helping thanks. a lot of people right now. I hope so. I mean, again, I guess this industry, you know, there's no way in. So, God, to any, to, like, what do I know? I'm one person of, like, lower levels. So I, you know, you're not lower level. You're not lower level. You're on one of like the hottest shows from Amazon Studios. Like, and and by the way, what is that like working on a project from Amazon? You know, kind of like this is like the new age way stuff works now when it comes to TV film. You talk about Netflix and Amazon versus kind of the traditional route. So with with you know a regular movie studios, like, would you say there's like a major difference, or like you feel like you have more freedom? I think as an actor, mm-hmm. I don't think there's much of a difference. Okay. Because um, I think that freedom occurs at the higher levels, you know, in the writer's rooms and the showrunner meetings. Because they're the ones who are – I think Amazon is probably more hands-off and, and more – and a lot of the streamers just like, we've hired you as the artist. You execute your vision. Here's some money. Right. As opposed to, you know, networks who are like, well – the money comes from companies companies have standards and they don't want you smoking on television or whatever it happens to be mm-hmm. right so i think at those levels but at the end of the day when you when you're an actor by the time you get to set you're just executing this big machine and we still move at the same pace as traditional tv and it's still the same structure you know there's still other actors the director a dp so the machine is still the same i just think the top end of the machine is a bit different Okay, that's good to know. 
That's good to know. And and since that top end is a little bit different, it, it has afforded people more opportunity. Like a lot of new creators that you may not have seen before are now having opportunities on places like Netflix. And that's obviously creating a lot of great change in Hollywood. I mean, we, we got the, the Emmy list that came out today. And, you know, you see a lot of spaces and people that weren't recognized before. So, I mean, when when you're thinking about how Hollywood is changing, like what kind of changes do you want to see or do you think we're on the right track? I think we're on the right track, uh, I, but I, it's just slow. And of course it's slow because the machine is so huge. Right. So change is probably always going to be incremental. Um, I, I, I think more diversity behind the camera mm. um, is just going to have to flow and effect. Uh, the, the, the biggest problem is, I think, traditionally when you look at our business, every stage of the process has been dominated by straight white men. The people with the money, the studio heads, but even more so like the programmers and selectors at film festivals, mm-hmm. the critics, the actors, the direct, like literally every stage. So it, it really became impossible because even if say someone took a chance and and, and financed, you know, like a, a young black creative, he might not get into the festivals no matter how good the film is because white critics don't get it. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have so much resistance at every stage. So I, I'm pleased to see that every arm now is being challenged. Yes. We're pushing more for, for people of color in the critic spaces, in the festival spaces, behind the camera, in front of the camera, at the executive level, like like everywhere. So, I mean, yeah, I think we're going in the right direction slowly. Okay. All right, cool, cool. What uh, do you guys think? I think, this, similarly, that it's, it's, I mean, I think major machines do take time to change Um, but at the same time I think that we are on an unprecedented space um, when it comes to creatives and their access to being able to be put on a a TV show or put on Mm -hmm. a film I mean you have spaces like Kickstarter where you can literally uh, uh, fund an entire you know, 30 day film. I don't know what you want to, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. Like you have more ways to get in the door. Um, but when it comes to kind of breaking down the doors of like those established places, it's still slow going. Right. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about that, Janice? Um, no, I think I agree with both of you. I, you know, I always get real doom and gloom and I'm like, <laughs> we're going to be long dead before we see anything happen. But I do think that access and, and the communities that we build with one another, like online and just kind of the smaller communities of you know, different niche groups of people that we build where we know who's doing what. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we can point one another to, like, those indie creators that are doing really dope shit. So I think that that is really fulfilling and rewarding, but I also think it's important that we do still demand from those larger institutions that, like, we get our spot, that we claim our spots in these larger institutions, that we claim whatever nominations and rewards that we're, awards we're supposed to get, that we let them know, hey, we see you yeah. not giving us what belongs to us you know what i mean so um yeah i think if we keep working it from both angles i think um we'll get there after we're dead but i do (laughs) i want to ask i want to ask a really fun question really super duper quick so we can go super duper fast but i do want to ask about supernatural because i've heard you mention how much you enjoyed the fandom surrounding supernatural so just really really quick what is the most exciting fan interaction you ever had uh, the most exciting one? Yeah. Yeah, um, it could be from Supernatural or something else, but just like the most fun, exciting fan interaction. Or scary? <laughs> or, or scary. <laughs> just whatever, like, um, you know, whatever was just like, oh, this is a lot. <laughs> I, 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 well, you know, like, I, I only did like a couple of episodes of Supernatural, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like three episodes. You were, you, were, so, you were unnamed demon minion? <laughs> that's what, I, that's what they're hey, that's a, that's a thing. That matters. It, it was. In fact, it, kind of funny in that I gradually got promoted because I was like unnamed demon two then I was unnamed demon one then wow. I was like demon so I that's like intense my way up the there you go hard worker <laughs> lawyer doctor demon demon yeah <laughs> that should be the name of your next short right right oh, man. Uh, so I didn't really like I knew Supernatural was like a like had a really really good fan base but I didn't really expect um, people that care about 
unnamed demon number one or right. whatever. Um, <laughs> but I went to there's a thing called Wayward Cocktails, um, which Jules, who runs the Supernatural Wiki, and she's an Aussie too. She, she has in Vancouver like once a year, which mm-hmm. is just like a drinks at, at this bar. And she said, do you want to come along? And I was like, oh, that's very nice if you invite me. And Because um, who the fuck am I? I'm unnamed mm-hmm. demon number one. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, it, but it was it was kind of, yeah, when I got there, like a lot of people were like, oh my God, you're unnamed demon number one and will you sign this? And oh my that? gosh. And yeah, and it, that was crazy to me because it just seemed like such, and I'm not trying to, you know, like, but it seemed like a bit of a, a nothing part. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't because I had fun and I got to do recurring and work with Mark and everything was good, but you wouldn't expect anyone to give a shit about that. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, fans are fucking dope, yo. You never know like, who's, who's checking out what you're doing. This is true. That's amazing. Um, so, Mr. Lee, you have survived the interview segment, but now it's time for the BRAP segment, which is our sort of quick question and answer segment. I'm going to give you a couple of choices. I'm going to ask you to choose between oh, the choices. Um, <laughs> I like that you're excited or scared <laughs> or maybe a combination thereof. Um, before I get into it, though, I, I, I do have to ask, how, like, how into geek culture are you? Are you into comics, games? Movies, Marvel, uh, DC, you into any of that? Yeah, I, you know, all of that, but probably like in the most mainstream sense. Okay. Like, uh, yeah, like I play a lot of video games and I, I read comics and I watch the shows and the movies. But like, if you're like, what was the first appearance of Mysterio? I would like, I don't fucking know. Right, right, right. I okay. Just know that he was dope. All right, I'm not going <laughs> to ask you anything too extra deep, but I'm, we're going to start the process now. All right. So the first question is The Wire or Breaking Bad? Oh, shit. Uh, the Wire. <laughs> <laughs> you could choose one to be Um. Okay. Let's see. Ooh. Wakanda or Zamunda? Do you know what I'm talking uh, Wakanda. about? Wakanda. Okay. Wakanda, okay. <laughs> Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. <laughs> he said, I know this one. I know this one. Um, Magneto or Professor X? Magneto. Why were you so quick to say that? Yo, oh, because we should listen to that man. <laughs> you know, like nice. in a perfect world, it's like we could all be Professor X and it's about civil discourse and it's about extending the hand. But then straight up, you got to realize you can't have a civil discourse with people whose fundamental argument is you're not even a human. That's what I'm we, saying. We can, debate, <laughs> we can debate the fucking most effective tax rate. We can debate like fucking if we should fund this road or this road, but you cannot debate my humanity. Mm-hmm. If you don't see me as a human, you can fuck right off. Right. So Magneto for life. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, that was heated. No, 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 that's no, that great. That put that's that on a, get down. Put that on a t-shirt for real. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fresh Prince or Martin? Fresh Prince. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Oh, Ben, I mean, we'll love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Peter Parker or Miles Morales? Miles, 100%. Yes. Uh, into the Spider-Verse, all right. Uh, Yo, the best Spider film. Is it the not the best things films. you've ever seen in your it's whole life? the best Spider-Man film ever. It's excellent. Ever, ever, it ever. Every now and then, I watch like the last, like what is it, like two and a half minutes of the movie, <sighs> send it to all my nephews. Oh just my God, feel so good, good stuff. So, Yo, since, it was insane. Well, I'm, I'm happy that you like it. So <laughs> that leads into the next one. What's your favorite superhero movie of all time? Oh, shit. Of all time? All time. What's the top right now? It's okay if it's different next week. (laughs) But I like him for different reasons. Um, Mm. What blows your mind the most? I think... I mean, you have to give it to Black Panther, I think, Mm -hmm. because not only was the cast stacked... um, and, and, you know, like a lot of the Marvel films have had kind of like political, socio undertones. But I, I think it was the first, maybe except for the first Iron Man, which is almost a separate thing. Mm. But but since the first Iron Man, since they became this MCU, this whole juggernaut, I think it was the first film to really, to bring that a bit more to the forefront again and to grapple with more consequence. You know, it, it, it had the best villain that there's been in a while. Yeah. It, it was just... Yeah, I think overall Black Panther. Yeah. 
Excellent answer. All right. Yeah. What's your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Oh, uh, probably Blade. Yep. That's usually the yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, but he's just so good as Blade, man. He's so good as Blade. We got to get him to come back to actually reprise the role. Like now that Marvel's kind of reassembled themselves, like we got to get we got to get this going. I mean, that'd be sick. Mm-hmm. That'd be sick. Before, but if you were gonna, go if you were to go young, who would you go? Like if you couldn't, if they were gonna go, like they wanted like a twenty to thirty for Blade. Yeah. Um, what's this? The, the, oh. I'm, you know, I'm trying to think, and I don't know why I'm losing his name now. But the, but the Shamar, Shamari Moore, is, is that who played From. Miles Morales in? Oh, I don't know his name either. Yeah. Him that played Miles Morales in Into the yes. Spider Verse, he would be a good choice. Oh, okay, he would be a good choice. From, but, from the get down, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay, I'm with that. All right, before I ask this question, do you fuck with hip hop? A little bit. Okay, never mind. I won't ask. But this again. Question. Nah, I'm such a mainstream. I'm like, I- I'm. You know that person's like, I like all music. Yeah. And you're like, no, you don't. That's yeah. that's, that's me. You. <laughs> all right. But, but I'm like vanilla. Okay. I was I was gonna but you ask like, you. But you like Drake? I mean, he's your fellow Canadian now. So I, <laughs> I used to like Drake. Ooh. A lot of us did, bro. A lot of us did. Yeah. So I was gonna ask you comic books or hip hop, but I don't care about your answer for that one. So I'll I'll move on. Um, what about Teen Titans or X Men? As a as an overall thing, like what we've as seen an overall. Like on the screen. As well, an whichever o- what you saying overall? overall. Okay, all right, overall. overall. I mean, I still gotta say X Men because I grew up on the animated series, and that Same. shit was like yeah. mind blowing. So. Yeah, <laughs> the, <nice laughs> old, the Fox yeah. Kids cartoon. That song is always in my head at any given moment. Best ever. Um, very deep too. You notice how cartoons from the '90s were like, so deep. like so deep, and like honestly, at that point, like, were you like 10, 11, 12, 13? Like, you're kind of too young to get all those themes, mm-hmm. but like they yeah. didn't hold back. So I loved it. Um, all right, who was your first geek crush? Oh, um, probably Princess Jasmine. Princess yeah, Jasmine, yeah, she was a baddie. Yeah. Okay, and she yeah. had Roger. You know, she had that tiger yeah. going. You know, no, she was right. a baddie. She was very cute. She was very cute. Um, okay, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, control over time. Yes. All right, I see. I've never you. thought about that or heard that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Thanks. You need yeah. more time to write more of these uh, projects you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would just kill to not be able to sleep ever. So um. <laughs> that's funny. So. And then finally, what character death in any medium, books, TV, film, whatever, hurt you the most? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, probably Mufasa. Ah, yeah, <laughs> right on time. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, apart as being a kid, I, I would actually say, in in, in recent memory, yeah, sure. weirdly. Maybe like, uh, maybe Killmonger. Oh, Ooh. interesting. Because uh, like you see everything that man accomplished through like sheer force of will, right? Yeah. And all you can, all I can think about is like, if he, what would he have done with his will if he had just been brought home? You know mm, what I mean? Like, wow. if he had gone down the other. Path, yeah. What could that man have accomplished? And just to see that waste was really like, and and then to think about that is probably you, you could apply that to so many people in the yeah. world, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's just uh, that that hit pretty hard. Mm. Wow, that's a deep man. That was deep. Well, you have survived Brap. Congratulations. That means you've survived for all nerd show. Give yourself a pat on the back. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. It's awesome. Before you go, can you please let the listeners know where they can find you online and also if you want to share any upcoming projects you're working on? Oh, uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under LC Shorten. Um, Same handle for both. Um, And you can catch me next on The Terror the new season of the terror. So that's AMC August 12th. Nice. Very, very good. All right. So for all nerds fam, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more fan show. 
Hey guys, it's Allison Williams. I'm an actor, and when I am not scaring people on screen, I am hanging out with For All Nerds and listening to their show. Hey guys, this is Rod and Karen of the Blackout Tales podcast, and when we are doing one of our mini podcasts, yes, we are listening to For All Nerds. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Asante, one-third of the Friend Zone, and when I am not smoking pot or playing Shinobi Striker, I am listening to For All Nerds. Tune in. What's up, everybody? This is Chuck Creekmer, a.k.a. Jigsaw from AllHipHop.com. And when I'm not placing my heavy hand on the world of hip-hop culture, I'm watching for all nerds. Hey, this is Logan Browning, and when I'm not trying to take over Netflix, I'm looking to for all nerds. Yo, what up? This is Yahya Abdul-Mateen, the second I play Black Manta in the Aquaman movies. And when I'm not getting around the city, I'm chilling, listening to For All Nerds. What's up, y'all? This is Stephen Harris, fire artist, co-creator of Aztec, fire artist on Ajala, The Fringe, Michael Cray, Watson the Holmes, don't forget Watson the Holmes, award winner of Watson the Holmes, Glyph Award, Eyes are nominated. When I'm not drawing, I am listening to For All Nerds. Check it. Hey, I'm Malcolm Lee, director of Night School, and when I'm not directing, writing, and producing, and editing and spending time with my kids, I'm listening to For All Nerds. Hey, this is Pamela Ribbon, and when I'm not writing things like My Boyfriend is a Bear or Ralph Breaks the Internet, I am listening to For All Nerds. Yo, what's up? This is Chico Leo, and when I'm not leading an Athenian revolt in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I'm listening to For All Nerds. Welcome back, fan fam. We hope you enjoy that interview. Thank you so much again to Lee Shorten. He was dope. He really. was so much fun, yo. Yo. I love that. I love that he just was like, yeah, nah, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for letting me talk to somebody. Like, Of course, of course. <laughs> you fam, we got to make that happen. Thank you. Um, also, another thing we got to make it happen. It's time for the guac segment. The guac is extra. Our geekly asked questions where we allow our listeners to ask us any and everything under the sun, whether related to pop culture or geek culture, anything in between. Um, for those who are on a special tier on our Patreon, mm. patreon.com slash for all nerds, you are guaranteed a guac question. But today we have a question coming from Picture Me Roland. They write, we've seen characters in the MCU that we thought we've never seen. What comic character are you sure and almost certain we'll never see on the big screen? My pick is Mojo. Ain't no way he appears in any movie. I just can't see it. Hmm. I don't have one, but of course, I I would imagine something racist. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) There's something racist. There's a racist character that we'll never see. And, like, because I wanted to be sure I knew who Mojo was. And, and, you know, Mojo is like the... Very oh. large uh, person, uh, alien thing that's on like a like a mechanic mm-hmm. legs. I, okay, I have. <laughs> I'm explaining this very poorly, but if you guys, Google it's like Mojo. that Ninja Turtle blob. Yeah. What was that brain? What was the Ninja Turtle thing that was like? It was like a brain inside of a man, and then sometimes he would yes. hop out and be uh-huh. on a little spider leg. I know you're shit. talking about. I know you're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, Sorry, y'all. Ben's not here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're working it out. Um, what character would I see would never happen in the MCU? I mean, honestly, picture me rolling. I I would like refute your claim because mm. Marvel has mm. done things already that people swore they would never see on TV. I ke- we keep using Guardians of the Galaxy as an example, but like, like Ego, the Living Planet, and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, yeah. I mean, and then they keep flipping racist characters. Yeah. And also, like, they'll take something that was racist before and, like, not do that shit. Like, with um, right. M'Baku's character, I think, isn't he Ape Man or some shit He's in the Ape comics? Man, yeah. We don't want to see no black man being called no goddamn ape. <laughs> so they eliminated that. There were still references to apes it was a little bit, but, but it, it, was, was, it was respectful and it, was it wasn't cultural. right. It was, it was yeah. different. It wasn't like you're an ape man. So <laughs> shit like that. So I guess maybe anything is possible. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't. 
Yeah, no, I don't see where they would never bring somebody to screen. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just, you know, I, again, I'm going to, I say this every year or every three months, I wish they would bring Storm to screen because I haven't seen her that yet. That would be nice. None of us have. That yeah, have you? Nice. Never. Never seen her. Mm-mm. I haven't seen her to this no. day. There was a fan flick that was pretty dope. So that. Oh, yes. But not on the big screen. Right. So that's what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've had such a longer episode, we're going to keep it a little bit short this week. But if you have any questions, again, geek pop culture related, or if you have anything outside of the box, like you want us to name your children, hit us up, let us know. Contact at 4allnerds.com. You can also hit us up on the interwebs at 4allnerds on all social media. And like I said, if you're on a special Patreon tier, you can get a special. guaranteed question. Patreon.com slash 4allnerds. Um, and lastly, I just wanted to give a shout out on our Comics I Cops segment. Thank you again to the folks on Patreon. Shout out to Peter who wrote um, Golgar continues to be pretty good. I picked up Kyle Holt's two issue Spectre story uh, from Detective Comics this month. Good spooky stuff. Uh, they also finished the uh, dance slot all red silver. Oh, excuse me. The, the slot all red silver surfer run um, and they felt that there was so much emotion in those two final trades and shout outs to David who wrote they just copped the first volume of Monstrous Monstrous is amazing shout out to Marjorie Lou but they just copped the first volume of Monstrous and it's pretty dope so far and he appreciates the recommendation you're very welcome for that recommendation again make sure whatever you guys are reading whatever you guys have picked up send us a picture let us know um, hit us up on again at for all nerds and also use the hashtag comics I cop that way we can track it we can see what's going on and we can also recommend some more for you guys so before we get out of here Denisha did you have any other things um, no saying? thank you all so much for having me this was fucking dope yeah. I had a good time per usual. thank you um, if you want more from me I do a podcast called Tea with Queen and J podcast yes. you can follow us on all the social medias at Tea with QJ on Twitter and Instagram we're on Facebook Tea with Queen and J um, and if you want to follow me and talk shit to me um, I am <laughs> at Janicia F J-A-N-I-C-I-A-F the last F is for savings um, so yeah yo follow me there I'm there talk your shit Peace. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Fan Pro Fan. Fan.